0: Welcome to The Grey Zone. It's Max Blumenthal. Today, we're going to talk to German anti-war activist Heinrich Bucher. Heinrich is the founder of the Co-op Anti-War Cafe in Berlin, which actually hosted me back in 2014 when my talk on Israel's war on Gaza was cancelled by Rosa Luxemburg Stiftung under pressure from the Israel lobby. Heinrich is a dedicated activist against U.S. imperialism and Germany's role in it. And he was recently summoned by the German state because of statements he made criticizing Germany's role in the Ukraine proxy war and specifically Germany's military aid for state-backed Ukrainian neo-Nazi battalions like the Azov Regiment. Heinrich now faces jail time, 40 days in prison or a 4,000 euro fine his prosecution is consistent with those uh, faced by other people we've interviewed here at the Gray Zone, like Alina Lipp, the German independent journalist who has been prose- who's b- facing prosecution by the German state and whose bank accounts have been seized by German prosecutors simply for reporting the other side from the Donbass region of Ukraine. New German speech codes have been implemented, banning the display of the letter Z the display of the St. George's cross, the Soviet flag, and the Russian flag. And 1,400 German police officers were deployed to the large anti-war rally at Brandenburg Gate on February 25th to enforce those speech codes. And so Heinrich and his experience is consistent with Germany's interpretation of a kind of wartime democracy. And so I want to welcome Heinrich today onto the gray zone uh, to discuss his prosecution and his work challenging the Ukraine proxy war. Welcome Heinrich.
1: Thank you very much Max for inviting me on the show and uh, I'm very happy to be here. And uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, I just have to correct you. Yeah. This 4,000 euro fine is not correct. It was actually 2,000 euros and uh, uh, now they have actually, we, we kind of, uh, we, we applied to that, uh, and we are going now to a court, I have a next, uh, the next, the court is going on at the end of April actually, I'm, I have received a letter recently and uh, so the, the fine is actually 2000 euros and now it's going to court. And uh, also I have to say that here in Germany we have um, altogether like more, Then 150 cases already that are according to what you you mentioned uh, with the letter Z and other kind of statements people made and uh, people have been accused by the police or there are some cases already also going to court. Uh, There have been searches and uh, all kind of repressions going on. And uh, so I'm not the only one who is being threatened uh, by the state authorities. It's like a whole system of uh, repression that is going on. And recently they have also reached out against the uh, Russian House of Culture here in Berlin that is connected to the foreign ministry in Russia, and they try to uh, imply some restrictions on them based on this uh, sanction law that is enforced now here in Germany as well. So they try to stop them from taking any, uh, selling any tickets and generating some income. So it's like an outrageous situation here in Germany. You're right.
0: Well, let's talk about your prosecution. What what happened? What, what triggered it? My understanding is you essentially criticized Germany giving taxpayer money to Ukraine that could be used to sponsor the neo-Nazi Azov Regiment. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, actually, uh, back in June uh, of last year, I was invited by the Berlin Friedenskoordination to give a speech at the Soviet Memorial in Treptor Park here in Berlin, uh, where thousands of Soviet soldiers from the Red Army are buried. And uh, there's a huge memorial there. And we had a little event there with a couple of speakers, like five or six speakers were there. And I gave a speech about, uh, it was on the anniversary of the Unternehmen Barbarossa when in uh, 1941 the Wehrmacht, the fascist uh, German army attacked uh, the Soviet Union. uh, And uh, I mentioned all these cases of Nazi collaboration Uh, that is going on nowadays. And uh, I accused the German government basically to support these uh, right-wing forces in the Ukraine and uh, mentioned a couple of cases that are also very well documented on a U.S. website called forward.com. You can look it up yourself.
0: Yeah, Forward Uh, is the oldest Jewish newspaper in America, Der Forward. And it was a Yiddish newspaper started in New York. So this is not exactly a anti-Semitic publication.
1: No, no, not at all. And uh, they actually, I mean, they are also somewhat anti-Russian now yes. on, the, on, the, on the top of it, but they also mentioned all these monuments and avenues and places that have been inaugurated in uh, the last years, uh, starting from 2014. And uh, I listed a couple of uh, examples there of all these uh, monuments uh, that have been uh, put in the Ukraine there and especially I think the most scandalous uh, event is that uh, they, there's a, at the outskirts of Kiev there is a monument called Babija, where the Nazis and the singles, uh, single most uh, drastic uh, massacre killed 30,000 Jews in just two days by shooting them and, and pushing them in this, uh, in this uh, place there, down. And uh, actually the Bandera supporters that uh, are present in all structures in the Ukraine nowadays and are getting uh, financial and militarily supported by the, by the US government, by the German governments and by many NATO states. They actually helped the Nazis uh, back then uh, to bring the Jewish people to this place to be shot there. And uh, Bandera he is buried here in Munich. Uh, a lot of his followers are based there after they fled uh, the Ukraine when the, when the Red Army took over. And uh, the, the Ukrainian ambassador to Germany, the former Ukrainian ambassador, Andrei Melnik, he actually is, a, he is adoring this bandera. And he went to his gravesite, uh, where he's uh, laying at the cemetery in Munich, and he laid down flowers there. And he actually posted that event on Facebook. And uh, this is, I think, just outrageous. And recently, he was on a podcast by by uh, run by a kind of mainstreamish German journalist Tilo Jung, who runs a podcast called Jung und Naive. Yeah. And he kind of uh, he's he's like anti-fascist. You have to say he's not supporting any kind of Nazism. So he kind of trapped this ambassador in the middle of his show, after like one hour, he kind of started to ask him these very serious questions, what are you thinking about Bandera, why he supports them, why he's not uh, against them. And this manic did some very strange and crazy statements there, that he he did not want to accept that uh, 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 Bandera was was a fascist, he said, and that he is like still supporting him, that he is considered a hero in the Ukraine, and by many people, which is a fact. And uh, so, basically, he he kind of uh, uh, kind of put that out there, and uh, many kind of did disastrous uh, comments to his questions, which led then to. Uh, the, the fact that he was uh, kicked out of Germany, but unfortunately he was kicked out, but he kind of made it into the into a deputy foreign minister now back in Kiev, and um, so this is all very outrageous. I, I put up all these points in my speech there in, in June 22, and uh, I got then accused by a German lawyer who was working here in Berlin for, for a big uh, law house, uh, Ernst & Young. And he went to the police, accused me of uh, spreading propaganda by the Kremlin, and uh, yeah. I would be a mouthpiece of of, uh, of Russian propaganda and media, and uh, I would disturb uh, kind of the public order. and. Uh, so, the, the prosecutor then sent this case to the Tiergarten, which is a lower court here in Berlin. And they actually came up with this uh, 2,000 euros punishing me, which we kind of... Uh, I got a lawyer now with some friends here and uh, he kind of rejected that. Uh, and now the case is going to the court at the end of April.
0: And the language that the German state prosecutors have used is that the statements you made about these neo-Nazi battalions in Ukraine have the quote, potential to shake confidence in legal certainty and incite the mental climate of the population. How do you interpret that language? And is this related to new speech codes that have been implemented since the February, 2022 start of the proxy war?
1: Yeah, I think so. Although this, this kind of mood was already there before that, but yeah. uh, I think since the war started, um, which is called like a, an aggressive war attacking the Ukraine in official language, uh, non-stop in the German media, it's, uh, this is like the new speech and um, they blend out also numerous reports that were present in the mainstream before that war actually started uh, because they they mentioned these right wingers in the Ukraine and these neo-fascists and their their policies and their influence on 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 the military on the on the secret service quite often in talk shows in in kind of yeah. documentaries and now since 24th uh, of February 22 this is completely blended out they don't talk about this anymore they only go uh, on about this uh, so criminal activity of Putin who they compare to to Hitler and um, it's it's extremely strange. Last night I was watching a, a like kind of a very popular talk show here and they actually mentioned this massacre of the German Wehrmacht in Babija and this place on the outskirts of Kiev, but they put it in a different context. They kind of blamed the Nazis for doing these crimes, but then they, they kind of left out who was associated with them, who brought the people to that place, to being shot by the Nazis. They blended that out and they turned it into this kind of uh, narrative of, of Russians being uh, to be compared to this uh, criminal behavior of the German Wehrmacht in the 40s. So that right. is what they always do. They don't hiding the fact that the Nazis committed crimes. They, they call them out. Uh, they are going against them very strong, but they always compare to the Russian army and their activities in the Ukraine and to their supposed massacres and rapes of women and all these kind of uh, BS they give to the to the German uh, public uh, non-stop 24/7 and the thing is that uh, at the same time alternative media is being hampered they are like kind of being threatened and uh, the the Russian channels are completely cut off yeah you you don't find them online anymore unless you have some certain links that that go around but uh, altogether it's like the media is like very biased and very one sided
0: well i remember from my time in germany when i from the moment i arrived to do a series of talks on my reporting from inside the gaza strip where essentially the german state has cited the holocaust as moral justification for supporting israel's siege on gaza i was labeled an anti-semite as a jew on the front page of Uh, Berliner Morgenpost and other German publications joined in, and it was shocking how disciplined the German media was in pumping out one single message from left to right without almost any exception. Uh, How has German media treated this issue of Nazism in Ukraine, where, for example, the Ukrainian parliament has issued official statements supporting Stepan Bandera as a national hero year after year. And how have they responded to your prosecution for discussing this issue, which should seem to relate to Germany's attempt to uh, deal with the memory of the Holocaust?
1: Yeah, they, they, there's almost no mention of this in the mainstream media, just also, but beforehand, I want to mention also that one guy yesterday on that talk show I, I, I mentioned, was uh, Jan van Aken, he's a member of the Left Party and he's also a member of the Rosa Luxemburg Stiftung that kind of banned you from speaking there at the Volksbühne last time you were here in Berlin. Yeah. And he kind of came out also, I mean, he came out against the weapon delivery to Ukraine, he very much was against that, that would escalate (laughs) the war, but he was also like very russophobic and very much against the... just for distrusting Putin and the whole thing, you know. Uh, then, on my case, I mean, there has been... Uh, and that goes for large parts of the Left Party. There are only very few people now in the Left Party who have, like, sort of different opinions on this. Uh, but they are also always talking about the war of aggression against Ukraine. That seems to be like, a, like, a, like kind of an agreement even for these progressive forces in the Left Party. That they use when they talk about that, for whatever reason, I don't know. Uh, about the media here in Germany, they haven't been mentioned, my case at all, so far at least. The only reaction has been uh, media uh, in the Junge Welt, for example, this left daily newspaper that is very, uh, is, is kind of a paper for a group of leftists that are also sometimes a little bit have some strange point of views but like the, anti, the, the
0: anti-deutsch the anti paper, right?
1: No, no, it's not an anti-deutsch paper. It's like, a, a, it's actually very pro-Russian in okay. general, but they have like certain voices in there who kind of mention different issues sometimes, which maybe I don't support so much, but in general they have like a very pro-Russian stance Then you have the the UZ, that is the the weekly newspaper of the German Communist Party, the DKP, that is also like pretty much uh, very strong pro-Russian and pro-Chinese. And uh, then you have a couple of blogs who write about it. And uh, I had interviews, for example, I had the Russian-speaking Russian Russian channel number one here at my my war cafe. I had the Chinese TV there, they did a thing. I had Russia today, Germany, they also reported uh, twice now on the case and some other uh, things like then in the US there has been quite a good response also. Uh, so it's it's being out in the open but not in the mainstream media, not altogether, they don't mention it and I, I, I almost suspect they will not do it in the future too. So that's the situation here in Germany. and. Um, then, also, you mentioned the protest by Sarah Wagenknecht and Alice Schwarzer, like last, uh, I think it was the 25th. That was also, I would say, I supported that, brought out this manifesto for peace, which I signed with a lot of pain, to be honest, because it's also in parts very Russophobic, I would say. But then again, they at least bring out a new movement and people come from all kinds of different backgrounds to be there. We, for example, we, are, we are have a weekly event, it's called Frente Unido América Latina at the, at the Brandenburg Gate where we show solidarity with Latin American movements and we have some people from the Communist Party in Chile, in Venezuela, Cuba, Nicaragua coming there to speak. And uh, we have always these banners also bringing there that are pro Russian and, and uh, support Russia. And we always do that in our speeches too. So we were there also at the Brandenburg Gate, laying out our banners there in the middle of the street. Uh, the DKP, the German Communist Party, that did not sign the statement by Zara, they were also present there in front of the, the Soviet tanks at this one memorial there. And you had different people from different backgrounds voicing their opposition to this main demand to stop weapons deliveries to the, to the Ukraine. And I think for that reason, we, I, I always argue to kind of try to support these people to, to pull off these events, but at the same time we should voice our own opinions about the manifesto and about the whole situation. And uh, I think then this might be really the beginning of a new peace movement in Germany. I'm not too sure about it, but as a matter of fact, I think in in Germany you have millions of people who are pro-Russian. It's not the majority of the population, but there are millions. We are many, we are not weak. We are a movement here. But the main problem is that this events that take place, and they take place mostly in the east of the country, are sometimes influenced and sometimes uh, led by people who are affiliated or maybe in sympathy with the Libertarian Party, the, the RFD, Alternative for Germany is called, who are like also sometimes have crazy anti-migration statements and and whatever, but in large parts, I think they are. I think in large parts they are actually honestly pro-Russian, and a lot of people in the East, especially, they are desperate. They don't know what to do. They don't know who to vote for, and so they vote for this party. And uh, because the left, in general terms, failed in this issue, then. Don't have any statement out, uh, and and nobody can support anything in writing by signing anything. So in a way, Zara Banknecht and this Alice Schwarzer, they kind of jumped in that place, put out this manifesto, which has been signed now by by I think almost eight hundred thousand people. Uh, but it's also not really a good statement. I think it's really accusing the Russians of all kinds of. Dirty things. I don't think it's good. So we are also at the moment planning to bring out some other statement that uh, is led by left forces up front, like initial signers, and then call for people to sign it without party affiliation. And I, I hope that we could get the same amount of signers or maybe even more, because I think if you speak. Tacheles, how the Yiddish would say you know if you really speak yeah. in solidarity with Russia if you stress the fact that this war that Russia started in in February was provoked was there was a provocation just before the weeks before there was more aggression towards the donbas republics more, shelling of the civilian neighborhoods there so russia did not have any other chance in my strong belief than to go and help these people and to to wage a war that i would call a defensive war and i think you cannot put all wars on the same level you have to realize the fact that there are sometimes wars that are defensive and they are fought for justice and for freedom and for, like the Red Army, when they came to Berlin, that was a just war. That was a war that was not criminal, although some people here, even in the peace movement, they call it, they, they put all wars on the same level, they all say all wars are bad, okay, okay, wars are never good, but uh, let's face it, some wars are more justified than other wars. I think what the NATO and the, the Germans especially also are supporting here is pure aggression, and it's based on, on horrible Russophobia, and uh, we should all stand up and, and reject this policy that is going on in the West.
0: Well, Olaf Scholz, like all other NATO leaders, has said that the Western public needs to support Ukraine because it is defending democracy. I think what's happening to you contradicts those statements that we constantly hear about, this great war for democracy. How do Germans understand free speech? I know you have no free speech, legal protections like we have in the United States, but how do they understand free speech since the implementation of these new codes how do people who are campaigning against the war know what to say and what not to say? And does the state have simply arbitrary justification for prosecuting anyone that it wants?
1: Yeah, I would think would think for the time being, they, they pick out certain people who are maybe more prominent than others to Apply these laws that are basically could be also applied to anyone who's saying stuff like that. But I must also say that in general you can still speak out freely. That is the, I mean, it's to a certain extent there's still something called democracy going on here. For example, you can do events in front of this landmark. Brandenburg Gate right in front of the U.S. Embassy and you can say all kinds of things there. Uh, freely they maybe control your banners, they sometimes come and take pictures, uh, they maybe, um, like uh, this Sarah Wagner events, they go against the Soviet flags or against certain flags of the Donbass republics, you cannot show them, uh, but in general I think you can still say pretty much anything you want, I, I have the feeling, but that might change also in the future. And uh, yeah, and then they pick out certain people who, who are maybe saying it more loud than others, so I don't know what, what kind of standards they, they apply there to, to shut down free speech. Uh, but in general, I think it's still pretty much going okay at the moment, you know, it's, it just might take
0: and do you think the German public, the mainstream German public that initially supported the war reflexively supports the war and trusts German corporate and mainstream media is becoming exhausted or more critical of the war and have... Yeah, yeah. I would just leave it at that.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I, I run this cafe there, this anti-war cafe. I have a lot of... Customers, tourists, and all kinds of people passing by there. And I also have a lot of activists and peace activists and people I worked together with in the past. And it's it's like pretty outrageous. A lot of them are against Russia. You know, they they kind of hate Putin. They tell me all kinds of things why they think I should call the thing like a war cafe or something like that. You know. Uh, But I engage them, I discuss with them, I don't kick them out, I I try to to keep in in conversation with them and discussions. But it's like uh, pretty depressing to see that even in the peace movement, in the left movement, you have a lot of people supporting the war or supporting at least the idea that Russia is like evil and and doing uh, bad, bad things, you know. Uh, In general, I think the the, the mood is a little bit, the people are getting a little bit more tired of the whole thing because it's coming maybe too intense, it takes it's away for too long going on. So I feel that some more people are turning away from this thing. But then again, I mean, it depends on what kind of media bubble you're living in. If you listen all the time to these mainstream talk shows, uh that even me, when I listen for a couple of hours these mainstream channels, which I do, then also you you, you start kind of <laughs> doubting yourself a little bit. <laughs> Is your view correct? You know, because It's because it's very intense, it's very emotional, and it's very charged, so you can really understand why people fall for that propaganda. They might not be all bad people in the first place, but they get this thing the whole time non-stop then on the other side you have this bubbles of alternative media that is also uh, some people they don't watch mainstream anymore, they watch only YouTube or whatever uh, channels and there's also sometimes going on like a little bit over the top narrative Uh, for example in this anti-vaxxer movement movement that I'm a little bit, I mean, I'm also a, a skeptic myself. I have not been vaccinated. My wife has, so her mother has been uh, several times. Nothing happened to them. But I'm, I think some of these guys are very much over the top. They have all these conspiracies that this is like a, a worldwide conspiracy. The Russians and the Chinese they're involved in it and in all this kind of. I think, outrageous stuff, they compare sometimes with, with things related to the Holocaust. They think people will die, many of them later on, and stuff. I don't support these ideas, but then again, I'm also somewhat skeptical to these Western vaccines, because they, I think they have not been tested enough, and they are sold for these outrageous prices. And uh, But it all depends, coming back to these narratives, you, you have certain bubbles where people kind of tend to listen to the content, and then they kind of get very much influenced by these stories that are told there. So there's propaganda on, on many th- sides, but I'm trusting, for example, the Russian propaganda, if you want to call it that way, and the Chinese propaganda, <laughs> because I think it's honest, it's clear, it's not lying, and it's based on facts. And uh, that is missing out sometimes also with, with other bubbles, you
0: know, so. Well, it's certainly different. What we get from Russian or Chinese state media in English is far different from what their domestic populations receive. And they put more of an effort into, um, appearing objective, or at least making it palatable to a Western public. That's naturally suspicious of those media. And in that, in that respect, it's, different than the media our own domestic corporate media which is just engaged in this thuggish propaganda campaign to wage a psychological blitzkrieg in support of the ukraine proxy war or whatever the current thing is i mean before this there was the the covid propaganda blitzkrieg which we're still just unpacking um what about nordstream Olaf Schultz, the German chancellor, was just here in the U.S. It was a very low key visit, no public appearances with Biden. Um, I guess both could have gone off script, especially Biden. But there's the whole issue of the U.S. bombing the Nord Stream pipeline, attacking Germany's critical infrastructure, as Seymour Hersh reported. Has this broken through to the German public? Is the German public concerned about this? about Seymour Hirsch's story or about about the reality of Nord Stream? Is there pressure for a serious investigation into this attack? And is there a wider concern about energy shortages?
1: Yeah, the energy shortage, I think we had a mild winter. It's not as bad as some people expected it to be, but we will see how next winter comes along. Prices are outrageous. They have a lot of problems with these LNG terminals coming up, and and uh, all these questions are like discussed and are present uh, about the Nord Stream two. Okay, this was like a terrorist attack, uh, same like 9/11 or 3/11, and all these other things that happened uh, before. And uh, I also was very much questioning in the past. Uh, this one is um, okay. One thing is, this one string of North Stream two was not blown up. Which yeah. Some people even say that there might have been some insiders who kind of uh, tried to uh, sabotage the inside job, so to speak, so that this one pipeline is still intact. But altogether, it's. It's a terrorist attack against the, the the German infrastructure. There has been a lot of questioning here in Germany under the table, and and certain media outlets too, like in the junge Welt, I talked about this left uh, daily newspaper and the UZ. and some blogs, sure they talk about it, uh, uh, and a lot of people basically think that this is something very fishy and uh, they kind of suspect also who is behind it, but nobody wants to question it too openly and the mainstream media is maybe also not talking about it, although there's one paper here in Berlin, it's called Berliner Zeitung, it's basically also mainstream paper, they swing back and forth on this Russian question too, Sometimes they give a little bit more weight to the side that is supporting maybe the Russian narrative. Sometimes they go the other way, I'm maybe to, to, to kind of stay in the stream a little bit. But um, they actually questioned this thing also quite heavily. And also, yeah. on a different note, they did a very lengthy interview with Roger Waters who also is, very, I think, very important for our movement. And I have been working together with him on some uh, international petitions I, I put here on my, my website, uh, that is called BerlinGegenKrieg.de and he signed a couple of statements there and now he is being cancelled in Frankfurt, maybe here in Berlin as well, and he has been very... Uh, very anti-Russian in the beginning, but now he kind of pulled back on that narrative and he almost says that Putin is not, uh, before he called him a gangster, but now he kind of backed off from that statement. He has an argument with Zelensky and one Ukrainian girl that is saying there are no Nazis in the Ukraine. So he's like also, I think, very important because he does very Very influential shows in the US, and now he's planning to come to Europe soon. And uh, they did this Berliner Zeitung, did a very good interview with him, I think. And he has been also very much uh, on this cause for Palestine and very critical of uh, the Zionist politics of Israel. And and I think he's uh, very important voice for the movement and he has millions of followers on twitter so i think he's very influential in these questions yeah and he also took a position on the syrian war where he kind of uh, uh, rejected one statement from these guys from the from the white helmets on stage And uh, I think in that respect, he's very good. So you have in the mainstream, some papers who are kind of put this issue up about the North stream and these other questions. Uh, So we will see.
0: Well, you Heinrich are still facing this charge of 40 days in prison or 2000 euro fine what what are your plans will you pay the fine if you're sentenced or will you go to prison no
1: no, i haven't paid this fine anyway maybe i don't know how to say it in germany in in english we have rejected it basically so it's like going to the next stage now to this court case
0: it's like an appeal
1: it's it's an appeal we have appealed it and uh, so i'm planning to uh, go against it as long as they don't Drop the case, you know, uh, because I think I don't care. I think the truth has to be told. I don't think my lawyer argues that I I don't have to fear prison. I don't know because I have been not uh, punished before in a criminal case, so I don't know how far this would go. But uh, probably it would end up with a with a fine, you know. I guess if they, but I think we want to go against it the whole way and I will take some other lawyers also for advice and we will uh, not stop. I will not uh, 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 accept that Berlin and I think Berlin is very fundamentally involved in this war because if the Germans would say no, this thing would stop at least for a short while. But the Germans, all these parties are like basically from the Second World War onwards via Adenauer, via Glopke, via von Gehlen, via von Kiesinger. The whole police, part of the police, the criminal police, the justice system, have been always infiltrated by these Nazi guys and have been pulled off a very anti-communist stance the whole time, maybe except Willy Brandt and Egon Bahr, who are members of the SPD, and now uh, Schröder, who also rejected uh, to, to step out of Gazprom, uh, a company, but the rest of it, they're all in it. They're all in it and they're all involved and they could all say no at any moment. There's no, There might be some blackmailing, but still they could say no. So I think I very staunchly reject the, the argument that Germany is, okay, it might be a vassal state, but it's very active. So... Um, Okay, that is the story about the German government that could could stop that at any moment. And I think, especially here in Berlin, as Germans, in this capital of Berlin, that has been, re- the, the, is now the capital of reunited Germany, because there were some deals demanded by Gorbachev in 1991 when he accepted the demand of the German people to live in a reunited country. But the deals attached to this uh, question was the NATO will not move to the east one inch. inch. And since then there have been 14 countries or 13 states who joined the NATO. And this is against all... uh, deals that were set up at that time, you can listen to it on YouTube and in some audio files it's like uh, documented, they just didn't sign it, but what, who cares about signing documents nowadays, nobody does. So uh, that was a deal, now we are reunited and we are supporting this policy from Berlin, Being working together with these Nazi collaborators in the Second World War in 1945. 41, especially when we attacked the Soviet Union, being guilty to have killed up to 25 or I don't know how many million citizens of the Soviet Union, destroying hundreds of cities, thousands of villages, destroying the whole infrastructure there. And now here in Berlin, we say Russia should lose this war. This is crazy. The, the Germans should not have uh, say anything they don't have a deal to 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 say anything to russia and i think that is uh, has to be countered by by people i'm not the only one many people are doing this and um, we have to pull them together the secret is now to 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 start a new movement of people who are openly opposing this policy because Many people don't know how many we are. We are many. We are many, many people here in Germany. And I think we have to reject that policy and many people are willing to do that. And they cannot throw us all in jail. They cannot punish us, us all. I don't know how this thing is going to end. But my feeling is this, the, the, they will not attack Russia or China directly. But they will go on with this war. This Russophobia will go on for quite some time. And we are living here in Germany in a very, very bad situation. But I think we should speak up. We should say not in our name. We should say something that is opposing this policy because it's very immoral, it's very ugly, it's very... It's very equally how you say here in German language, you know. It's like outrageous for these people to support Nazism and to use uh, Slava Ukraini, this uh, this, uh, greeting in German parliament. Scholz is traveling to Zelensky to visit him in Kiev. He's ending his press conference with this saying Slava Ukraini. This is outrageous. These guys are basically, I don't know, you might call them Nazi sympathizers or something. It's, uh, it's outrageous. And they call the AfD like they even organize events against the AfD, but at least they are pro-Russian. The other guys are much worse. So uh, I think it's time to, to reject that policy and very openly. And then also one more thing I wanted to say. There was an during the event with Sarah Wagenknecht and Alice Schwarzer at the Brandenburg Gate, they brought in a Russian tank to Berlin. They put it up in the middle, right yeah. in front of the, the, the Russian embassy on Unter den Linden. <coughs> and they put... The Ukrainians got that tank. Now they took it out of Berlin again. They actually plan to have it here for longer. And they actually have one girl there sitting on this tank which is pointing to the door of the Russian embassy and she was singing a song there, like a Ukrainian uh, 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 patriotic nationalistic song and now it is proven that this girl is a supposed... I think she was supposed to be a cook or something from this Mariupol Avostal steel plant
0: so she was, she was a member of Azov.
1: Yeah, and she was arrested, and then she came to Berlin after she was exchanged by the Russians, and she is now acting that way here in Berlin. And now we all know she's a Nazi herself, and these people are touring here in Berlin. They are supported by the Konrad adenauer stiftung same like Klitschko, who's the mayor in Kiev now. Uh, So you see the connection, for example, of this so-called Christian Democratic Party that is supporting the Maidan Putsch in Kiev. And uh, they are called Christian. I have to say that I myself, I'm a Catholic myself. Because my father, he was a Catholic. And I never left the church. I'm still paying taxes because he was anti-Hitler. There was a, was a diaspora in, in, in northern Germany that was against fascism, basically. And they had a, quite a following. my father, he had a business. He was connected to farmers and other business people in Oldenburg. And they managed to meet and help also people who were forced labor there and my father, he had good connection to these people. They came after the war to visit my, my father's house, and they brought presents. We traveled there and met them afterwards. So there, at that time, even, there were many people who were against this crazy ideology that is taking hold now here in Germany again. And these Christian Democrats, for example, they support this policy now. This is like outrageous. And this goes for the Social Democrats, too, and for the liberals. And for the Green Party, the most. So, this is the policy that is taking hold of Berlin now, of this capital that was liberated by the Red Army in '45. I and my café, I have an exhibition in the basement that is showing a lot of black and white pictures about that time, and to remember the people how it can end up again if Germany is going on with this politics forever. And, and provocating uh, these people more and more. who knows what is happening? No? I think this is like super dangerous. and uh, hopefully we have to to the possibility to step away from that. And yeah. also today there is an article in the magazine of this Alice Schwarzer woman who was cooperating with Sarah Wagenfeld. She reprinted an article by the highest, German general, he is uh, an ex now, he, he left the army, but he is still giving interviews, and he kind of called out this uh, treason to the minsk agreement that Angela Merkel actually admitted to, together with the French president yeah. at that time, to, to have hoaxed Russia into this uh, into this uh, belief that they would honestly try to achieve peace in the Ukraine. And she admitted that she just played for time for the Ukrainians to prepare for to be better equipped against the Russians. Right. And this general said that this is a breach of international law. And basically uh, he accused them of that. So this whole narrative that Russia started this war, which is supposedly breaching international law is technically maybe correct. But how this whole thing came about, there was a coup d'etat in Kiev that per se was already in breach of international law. They toppled the democratically elected President Yanukovych, he had to run away. He was maybe a little bit corrupt, but he was pro-Russian. He was democratically elected. And then they set up this right-wing government. This right-wing government started an anti-terror operation against the East part of the country and killed thousands of people. I know people who had to run away to Russia, who are living in Russia now, who are refugees in Russia. And so the war started already with a breach of international law. And uh, Merkel, she repeated it in this in this tricking Russia into this believing that she would try to, to bring about peace, and I think this whole thing is is outrageous to the utmost, and it's disgusting. It's uh, really
0: absolutely. And 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 your prosecution is is consistent with the outrageous atmosphere. That's fallen on us across the Atlantic. So, Heinrich Booker, founder of the Co op Anti War Cafe in Berlin, good luck with your legal challenge and thanks for talking to us here at the Gray Zone.
1: Thank you very much, Max.